Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com. Doug Lamarie, Scott Patsko. Ten numbers here in the bye week. Ten numbers related to the Cleveland Browns. You know, we like to do the numbers along with the watching. So, Scott Patsko, you have gone through deep stats related to the Browns. This is not like... uh, Three touchdown passes, or however many Baker Mayfield has. Does he have more than three? It's three, isn't it? Isn't it three? He has more than three, doesn't he? No, that's you not making I don't, it. I don't pay attention to those normal counting stats. No, no. <laughs> high level math only here on Gotta Watch the Tape. It is more than three. I, I'm trying to lower the bar so that when you find out that it's actually seven, then people will be excited, right? As he has eleven. Eleven. See, wow. That. See, how about that? I lowered it so low, people are like, "Wow, eleven. That's that's one per game, almost, almost. Well, for him it is because he missed one game. Okay, so we're going to go slightly deeper than touchdown passes. We're going to go third down conversion rates. Although you do have a field goal number in there. Oh, I knew you'd you'd. We can't make it through without talking about that guy. You're, you're torturing yourself by making you making yourself talk about field goals. Um, I, there's some really good ones here. Expected points added per target for Browns wide receivers. That's some deep stuff. Anyway, 10 numbers in the bye week that will help you reflect on the Cleveland Browns during this time away. Scott Patsko, dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape. All right, so the Browns are doing their self-evaluation this week. Uh, it's what they do during the bye week. And it's a little later than, I guess, normal because last, last year they had that nice clean cut pretty much at the middle of the year. Doing it in week 13, which... Isn't ideal, but man, this this team really needs it. Uh, they, you know, so many things are inconsistent, just not going well. You're six and six. You don't want to be there. They're twelfth in the playoff race. Only seven teams make it. So yeah, they got ground to make up. And uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski said they're they're going to do their own deep dive. Well, we, I kind of did that myself, looking at some of these numbers. And there were a lot of things I could have put. Uh, I have a story up on the website that that covers the 10 that we're going to get in here to here. There were, there were a lot of others, but I thought these 10 kind of rose above and um, seemed to get at a lot of the problem areas that we we've had, we've touched on here and there over the course of the pod this season. So anyways, the first one we want to start with is one Doug mentioned it's third down conversion rate. And, and this is one we've talked about recently. The Browns on third down are converting 36.8% of the time. And that's not good. <laughs> They're ranked 24th in that stat this season. Can, can, I, the- can I interrupt? Can I interrupt? I just want to give yeah. people a sense of this. Are any of the 10 numbers going to be good? 
Well, no, because they all have to improve for them to make a run. That's the whole okay. point. So, yeah, these are all going to be bad. And this one, obviously, we're starting out with a bang here. Can you um, give because- a, can we do a companion 10 good numbers? Are there 10 good numbers that you could find? Can we oh, do sure. that later? Okay. Sure. There are 10 good numbers. But, I mean, you know, you're putting whipped cream on something that you don't want to eat. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. I just, okay. I'm asking, I'm going to be old football guy. The only number I care about six that's in the win column. All right. That's I'll be true. old football guy. All right. But third down conversions, that seems bad for a team that again, uh, we are in all of this exists within the efficiency shoebox of the Kevin Stefanski offense, right? That right. if you're not going to have Devonte Adams or AJ Brown, or like a game breaking risk, Tyree kill, then for instance, I would think you would, need to need even more to be very effective on third down. It's part of their plan. So it hurts even more when they're not good at it. Yeah. And a lot of these stats uh, have really gone downhill over the last three weeks, especially. And that's a period when I think we've seen this team really uh, hit more struggles than they faced throughout the season. And over the last three games, the Browns are only converting 27% of the time on third down. That's ranked 30th. Um, it's worth noting that their one touchdown drive against the Ravens did not include a third down. Yeah, that's, that's where they're at. If they don't get to third down they're they're it's smooth sailing, but you know, when they get to third down, they were four of 13 against the Ravens. And uh, I wrote after the game, how 11 of those were third and five or longer. Six of them were third and 10 or longer. And it includes one that I think was wiped out by penalty, but I'm going to include it because it's still a, a play they, they had to run. Um, anyways, this is like one of those things where you look at last season and it's just striking how much this team has changed. They converted almost 45% of the time on third down last year, which is ranked eighth. So it's just, for me, it's at the top of the list of the, of the reasons why this offense has struggled. And a lot of this falls on the passing game. You know, we're going to talk about Baker here and some of his numbers, but passing on third down, according to football outsiders, DVOA which is it's, it measures efficiency against the league average Browns rank 27th when they're passing on third or fourth down. Now they're not good on fourth down and that kind of hurts, but we know that they're bad on third down as well. So, and they were only 12th last year. It's just, it's just the one area where I think this, this offense is, is just stalled. And we're going to get into a number in a little bit that might be a cause of that, all that trouble on third down, but yeah, third down, they got to get better. Well, especially the third and longs, as you said. I mean, at this offense right now, third and six or longer, it's like that feels impossible. It's like I can't, I, can't, I don't think they can complete a seven-yard pass, right? With, especially with the way a defense is going to play them, right? That it's just you can understand it. You feel the weight of that. And that's the, the difficult thing about this Browns offense right now is sometimes you watch great, watch great offenses. You watch Aaron Rodgers when he's rolling, right? You watch like Kyler Murray, who I know has been hurt, but like when he's rolling, offense looks easy, man. Like the offense has not looked easy for these guys since the, because even the Bengals game was really more about the defense getting turnovers and yeah. creating short fields. It really hasn't, I don't think the offense is, it hasn't looked easy since the Chargers game in week four when they scored in the 40s. So, that's this, the hard thing about this, and, and it shows up on third down. And meanwhile, your second number is opponents are good on third down in comparison. <laughs> yeah, good news. The Browns offense isn't the only one uh, horrible on third down. Maybe that's not good news. But the Browns defense is having their own problems. Um, and 43.4% conversion rate for opponents on third down. They just they can't get off the field. And I, I don't know how many times Miles Garrett has come into a press conference after the game and talked about how he couldn't get off the field. 
you know, or Kevin Stefanski has mentioned, we just couldn't get off the field, but that's, that's where they're at. Um, and it doesn't like, I went back and I looked at, all right, how were they were, how were they early in the season? Like four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks. It's been the same. It's been like 42, 43% throughout. Um, so they've pretty much been consistently bad when it comes to that. They ranked 26th in getting off the field this season. And over the last three weeks, it's, it's been uh, a little worse. Teams are, compl- are converting almost 50% of the time. And that ranks 28th. So again, over this last three games, it's just things seem to have compounded a little bit. When opponents pass on third and five or longer this season, completion percentage is 68%, which is fourth best for opponents. And those opponents average over eight yards per attempt, which is six. So passing against the Browns on third and long, even though they get good pressure rate, teams that's, are still able to that's what I would say. Is that not the whole plan of this defense is get mm-hmm. a team in third and long unleash miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney and put it on Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom and greedy Williams to cover. And you're good to go. That, that should be the strategy and they're getting in those spots and teams are converting on them. That boggles my mind. Yeah, it does. And that's a good goes to what they've Joe Woods. Everybody's talked about is the, inability for the secondary and the guys up front to be doing everything right on the same play. They get the pressure. The coverage isn't there. You know, they get the coverage, but they're, they're not getting home. The play is extended and the offense gets something positive out of it. So yeah, that's an issue. And it doesn't matter if it's a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who can extend a play, extend a play, then throw a ridiculous touchdown pass while his arms hit like he did uh, against the Ra- against the Browns last week, or, or whether it's um, just anybody who doesn't move as well. It's, yeah, it's not a good place to be. And I think more consistency to see there, getting off the field, giving your offense, even though it has struggled, more chances, the more likely it's going to be successful. Scott, can you give me a second here? Just for one second. Mm-hmm. Hey, people listening, you can turn this off if you want to. I'm not sure why he's <laughs> doing this to you. It's going to keep being like this. And, and maybe, maybe he'll do the good numbers later, but those two off the top, were not, they're not going to get better, right? They're not going to get better. Scott, we're back to you. Are they going to get better? No. No, it's not going to get better. So it's well, comprehensive. Don't, don't look both. at it. I just want, I want to give people permission to turn this off for their own well-being because to look at the Browns at six and six and be frustrated generally, and then it's like, let's get specific about your failures. Doug, it's not just that your personality is annoying. Let's get specific about it. It's your voice. It's your face. It's the way you walk. It's what you think. And it's like, great. No, I feel when it was just my personality in general, that already hurt my feelings enough, but let's get 10 specific things about it. All right. Opponent rushing yards per game over the last three weeks. This is horrible. I can't believe how high this number is. Before, before I say that, just look, look at this as like an intervention. Like the first step here is admitting you got a problem, right? So we're going to mention all the problems that they've got. And, and just look at it that way. You know, you can't solve a problem unless you know it's there. And I think, unfortunately, the Browns have a lot of <clears throat> problems to solve. But yeah, opponent rushing yards per game over the last three weeks, 166.7. Uh, three weeks ago, that was not the case. The Browns were only giving up 84.8 rushing yards per game. The third best run defense in the league. They were flying high. Everybody was feeling good about the Browns' ability to stop the run. And then, like, the Patriots, Lions, and Ravens just ran all over them uh, over the last three weeks. And now 
Uh, and that was actually the second worst average over that span, 166.7 yards. But they've had issues buried in there throughout the season. Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell, your starting defensive tackles. Uh, their run defense grades from PFF, both below 50 this season. They're among the worst on the team. Anthony Walker, a guy you count on to, to, uh, to plug run holes, uh, he's at 51.8, so not much better. The only defensive tackle to grade over 60, Tommy Togiai, who we get emails and texts every week. Why isn't Tommy Togiai playing more? Why isn't he starting? Why isn't he active at least? 71.0 grade against the run. Problem is he only has got 24 snaps, and not it, all of those weren't even against the run. So up the middle, they have some issues stopping the run. Now, a bright spot, of course, is uh, JOK. He's been great, but he's just getting back from injury, and I think that obviously hurts over the last few weeks. So that is a way that this could turn around. There's your, there's your bright spot, your good number, your rose amid all the thorns here. I was asking after the game last week if JOK could play offense. I might ask every, every bad number here, I might ask at the end, could JOK fix this? So he can't fix the offensive third down unless you put him in the game at like slot receiver, which I would be for. He can help on third down conversions when, as he gets healthier, and he can help on this. So that's two out of three that a rookie linebacker second round pick is responsible for fixing almost on his own. And by the way, Tommy Togi, I like the one time they made him active, he jumped offside and they made him run off the field in shame. And it was like, and you're never going to be active the rest of the season. So well, it took you not, you are not making me long for BJ Goodson with this. Are you, we all agree. Yeah. Anthony Walker is an upgrade from BJ Goodson. Th- that's just still the right move, right? That's, that's true. I think it hasn't been the case over the last few weeks. And I mean, Goodson got better as the season went on and he didn't have the injury in the middle, like uh, Anthony Walker did. Um, So yeah, that that's definitely going to be a comparison to dive into at season's end. Like, like what was better BJ Goodson or Anthony Walker, but I will say I'm not participating, get a different host. I am not being part of a BJ Goodson was better than Anthony Walker podcast. I can't do it. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll be a really short story. Um, Why don't you just do a podcast about who was better? John Johnson, the third or Andrews and Deho. I'm done. Get Ashley to host that. I'm not doing it. I don't care what your numbers say. John Johnson has been better. He's been better, period. Um, Mac Wilson, by the way, also been really good against the run. I don't see them in his nine snaps. He is. He's played 103 snaps against the run, which is about 30 less than JOK. So and they both basically have the same grade, about 73. I mean, Mac Wilson has played a lot better in spurts. It might be a case where like more or less of Mac Wilson is better. Small serving size. You no, no, no. He's the Dearness Johnson of the defense. Yeah. SSS Mac Wilson, yeah. small serving, small sample size. Do not put him out there more. So, yeah. yeah. So he has excelled in spots and, and run defense is one of them, but overall that's something that they need to correct quick because you're facing the Ravens again in, in, in a week and a half here. Oh, great. So let's talk about a terrible number related to the Browns rushing game. Great. Oh, the one thing we thought they were good at. Great. Go. Fine. Do it. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to get people off on the wrong foot here. The Browns still have one of the best run games in the league, but first down has been an issue this season. And I'm going back to Football Outsiders DVOA numbers. Uh, and the number here is negative 15.7. And DVOA is presented as a, uh, as a percentage So what that means is the Browns perform 15.7% worse 
than the average offense when rushing on first downs this season. That ranks 19th. Last season, they ranked second uh, in first down rushes. They were plus 11.2. So obviously a big change this year. Now you've had some significant injuries at running back this season, which have kind of played into that. But their inconsistency on first down is how you get to some of the issues they've had that we talked to earlier. I talked about earlier on third downs Uh, when it comes to passing on first down though, the Browns also struggle. I didn't want to make this a separate number, but they rank 18th in DVOA when they pass on first down, they weren't much better last year. They were, they were about the same, the same area percentage wise. Um, But the difference is, like you don't have that running game on first down to back you up like you had last year. So like if everything is not great on first down, then again, you're going to, you're going to run into issues on second and third down. And that's kind of where they are. So, uh, and I think I even mentioned this after the game against the Ravens, just getting better on first down, getting more production, more efficiency on first down. However they do it is I think going to be a key here over these last five weeks. And really to me, this is a passing game number because this to me reflects there is such a lack of worry by defenses about the passing game. They just stack the box. They sell out to stop the run on first down. And it's not like Nick Chubb got worse. And by the way, Nick Chubb missed four games last year. And Wyatt Teller missed time last year. So they, they didn't have everybody all 16 games a year ago. This is a reflection of people getting a handle on the Kevin Stefanski offense and this offense being so one-sided with the run game in terms of danger that even the run game is no longer effective on first down because everyone's like, oh, I know they got to run. And if they throw, we're not worried about it. So the result is this. It's not like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and the offensive line got worse. They're not worse <laughs> players. So what is it? It's context. And the context around it is allowing defenses to do this. Yeah. And I think it's important to keep in mind that the Browns do run on first and 10 more than all but one team, which I didn't write down, but they are ranked second in total running plays on first and 10. They're 25th in passing plays on first and 10. So they are more inclined to run it early on. And again, you're, you're starting off on the wrong foot. And then the, the drive just, like you said before, it just becomes hard. They are self-scouting Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski both talked about it. I think they have to self-scout and change some stuff. I, I don't think, I know Kevin Stefanski likes to do what he likes to do. There are too many numbers, Scott, where the things that they like to do aren't working. So change it. Like you can't come out and keep running it on first down second, most in the league. Again, they are outliers in certain ways and the outlying is not serving them right now. And so they've got to fix it. All right, go clear your head. We're going to take a break, go for a walk, unplug your phone, maybe come back in four days and listen to the rest of this podcast. I might not be back after the commercial break. I'm not sure I can take it. We're four numbers in and I'm losing my mind. I've got to watch the tape. All right, Doug Maurice back with Scott Patsko. 771 is the next number. And so let's let everyone take five seconds to think what that might be. 771, is that the number of Baker Mayfield incompletions this year? 771? Is it, what, what could this be? Scott, what is it? This number of times Odell was open and they didn't give him the ball. No, it wasn't. Oh my God. Did Odell <laughs> Sr. just join the podcast? Welcome in. Yeah. It is Brown's yardage lost due to penalties. The Browns ranked third in penalty yards this season and first in pre-snap penalties 
They got 34 of those. And this is something they know about. This is something they've talked about. Whenever they talk about what they need to do to be a better offense, Baker brings it up. Kevin Stefanski, everybody. They got to be better pre-snap. They have to make sure that they are being efficient and getting to the play so that they can run it the way they're supposed to. And that hasn't been the case this season. They even addressed it during practice. They like they start sessions over when people mess up. Um, hasn't hasn't really worked. And this is an offense that has proven that it really struggles when things start moving backwards and they have to make up ground. So yeah, but I guess here's here's the thing. And a lot of people have talked about and written about penalty yards this season for the Browns. And yes, it is bad. It is not new. Is that the supposed Brown- to make anyone feel better? Your horrible numbers aren't new. They've been here forever. <laughs> what is- it's about to get worse. Um, the Browns were penalized a lot in 2020 as well. They were third in pre-snap penalties at 43. So, you know, five games left. They got a chance to beat that. Uh, they were ninth in penalty yards, 870. So they're not too far away from uh, of getting there either over the last few weeks. But this isn't an offensive problem. It's a defensive problem, too. They have the fourth most DPIs, defensive pass interference penalties this year with 10. 82 DPI yards on third and five or longer, ranked third in the league. I mean, you're, you're getting those pass interference penalties at the wrong time. And we've, I mean, we've all seen those plays this season. Third down, fourth down, it's, you know, it's a pass interference penalty. So it's both sides of the ball. But I think on offense is where, it, again, with all the struggles, seeing this team have those pre-snap penalties that – didn't hurt him as much last year. I mean, this, you know, let's be honest that the offense performed better last season, but this season it's just all rolled up in, in the mess that, that we've seen over the first 12 weeks. Can we do this? I'm not here to give people assignments, but you know, I'm not going to do it. Can we identify the people? Like when you say a thing, like the Browns lead this, the league in pre-snap penalties and everyone talks about it. Well, let's talk about who are the players that are doing it? Because I'll say this, any miles Garrett pre-snap penalty penalty on the defensive side of the ball, I'll take. Because if Miles Garrett is jumping off sides, it's because he is lightning quick off the snap. He is trying to time a snap. He's trying to sack the quarterback. He's trying to make plays. And I'll t- I'll deal with one five-yard Miles Garrett offsides penalty a game. That's not the issue. So let's let's find the perpetrators. Everybody else is a perpetrator. There's no upside. There's not enough upside to anybody else to get away with this stuff. So can we count them up? Can we, sure. is it, is it Wyatt Teller? Is it Jedrick Wills? Is it Joel Batonio? Is it, is it Malik Jackson? Is it Tack McKinley? Is it Jadavion Clowney? Is it Tommy Togiai and his four snaps a year? Who is it? You did not name the winner. Um, Malik McDowell actually has the most pre-snap penalties. He's got four <clears throat> this season. Uh, and again, this is both sides of the ball, all positions, but then he's tied with uh, Jadavion Clowney. who's also got four. So those are your, your biggest, your biggest culprit, Miles Garrett's got three. I will say Malik McDowell's had a couple late hits too. Malik mm-hmm. McDowell is a guy like he was out of the league and he like gave him a second chance to restart his career. He's a talented guy. He was a five-star recruit in college. He plays a little loose. He plays a little loose for my taste. And it's like, I think like he's, he has, I think not a Miles Garrett skill level because nobody does, but he has a high skill level for defensive tackle. And I think he plays with the reckless abandon of someone who's out to make plays, but he hasn't been in the league in like four years and he's not that good. So like he needs to chill out. 
And, and, but this is another one of those things with the Browns. It's like, we thought there was going to be this four man tackle rotation with Malik Jackson, Andrew Billings, Tommy Togiai, and who is the other guy going to be Jordan Elliott. Right. And instead it's like Malik Jackson and Malik McDowell who came out of nowhere play most of the time. And so it's one of those things where the Browns say, look, we found this guy. It's a remarkable story. And we write all the stories. It's wonderful. And sometimes when you're finding guys who haven't played, how long has he not played in the league? He was not in the league for how long? Multiple years, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's a wonderful human interest story. But then you make him a starter and you play him all the time. And it's like, guess what? He's a little loose, man. It's like, okay, well, then maybe you shouldn't be finding defensive starters for a Super Bowl contender off the this guy hasn't played in the league for multiple years pile. So we all thought they were a genius, but here's part of the result. Yeah, but I don't know. I look at some of the like the roughing on Kyler Murray and uh, he had he had one against the Ravens as well, I believe. He did. Um, I don't know. I'm not bashing got- him for those. I those those were. I mean, the Kyler Murray thing was like was like Shaq accidentally, uh, you know taking a step in the wrong direction and bumping into somebody, you know, a hundred pounds lighter than him. And that guy going flying, whereas a normal person would, it wouldn't even phase them. It's just, I'm just saying big guy, little guy. I'm just saying it's part of the, it's part of the package. You get, I'll take the entire miles Garrett package, good and bad. Cause it's like 95% good and 5% bad. I'm not sure what the ratio is on the Malik McDowell package right now, but let's not just leave it at, Oh, wonderful comeback story. And then be like, Oh, what happened? It's like, I don't know. The guy who hasn't played football forever gets a lot of penalties. There's a shock. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? It was a good comeback story when he made the team and he became a starter. I think that <laughs> that's, that's where the, like the movie ends. Like no, they don't the have team. the penalties. And then after that, you know, but yeah, we won't get into it. The, they don't have extra scenes. Like while they're rolling the credits, it's like Malik McDowell, McDowell jumping off sides. Running Malik off McDowell. the field. <laughs> Late hit. Offsides again. Browns go. <laughs> Browns miss the playoffs. Anyway, no, that's not what we're saying. It's just numbers. It's just numbers. Math can't hurt you. Chase McLaughlin, one of my predictions before the season was they would go through three kickers, and that was when they still had Cody Parkey. And then like a, an hour later, they went to Chase McLaughlin. So that's two. And then he was like, everybody was like, he's the next coming of Justin Tucker. Now I forgot how to kick. What's your number? Nobody's more upset about this than me. I, I wrote a I lot know. about him in the early part of the season about how they, he was doing great. Um, and it was really just unexpected and not something that Browns fans got to enjoy from a kicker over the last, you know, decade, but Chase McLaughlin, the number's three, and that's how many field goals he's made in his last six attempts. Yeah. And that's over four games, by the way. <clears throat> and this is after making his first 10. So we're not sure what exactly has, has happened to Chase McLaughlin. We have heard from Mike Prefer over this stretch, and he's talked about Chase McLaughlin's mental fortitude and his ability to work through this. Um, but he's in a rut right now. And a couple of those have been blocks, at least one of which Mike Prefer has publicly said was McLaughlin's uh, fault. The kick was too low. But we're talking about a Browns team that plays a lot of close games. They played in seven one-score games this season. And under Stefanski, they have played, let me do the math here, 14, like 17 one-score games. And that's just in the regular season. So McLaughlin's field goal percentage is down to 77.8%, which is about where he's been for his career. And 
that 77.8% is actually the second lowest of the six teams he has kicked for over the last three seasons. Yes. He has kicked for six teams over the last three seasons. So um, yeah, I don't I know believe, if there's much analysis for this, but Chase McLaughlin's in a bad place right now. I believe you prefaced part of your analysis before you got to the part about how he's played for six teams in the last three years. Yeah. I think you, I think I heard you say something like what happened to Chase McLaughlin? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe he remembered he's Chase McLaughlin. This is who he is. It's one of these things again. It's like, oh, well, he's he's kicked himself off five different teams in the last two years, but not us. When, no, now <laughs> he's figured it out. Oh, in team six, he's figured it out. Great. I'm not, I mean, they tried to draft a kicker twice, right? So, like, they drafted Zane Gonzalez, they drafted Austin Seibert, like, whatever. So, they tried and didn't work, but like, all he's doing is regressing to the mean. Take that math term. Maybe, maybe here's the one thing I didn't do in preparation for this was go back and see if he started off other seasons on a perfect hot streak and then fell flat. Uh, I doubt it, but uh, yeah, it, it was a great start. Um, and the thing about it, he was doing that at Cleveland or at uh, first energy as well and doing it into the dog pound and, and, and making kicks. And now again, you have a team that really needs to win bad or the five final five games and you have a kicker who's not in a good place. So I'm not sure what kind of deep dive gets you out of that for the Browns, but they, they, they need to figure something out. It's a deep dive into the free agency pool of kickers is what it is. <laughs> By the way, he's missed three of six, and one of the makes was a doink. He doinked it in. That's one of the makes. So it was poetic. Anyway, he <laughs> doinked it in. All right, so uh, 36.2. What That is Chase McLaughlin's the percentage chance that he's on the roster at the end of the regular season. 36.2% chance. No, it's actually something else. We are so quick to throw away kickers. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we are. Like, like Phil Dawson never went through a rough stretch. Can we get, why would you even say that? Like, turn I'm off the saying. podcast. If you're still listening, turn it off. Now he's rubbing Phil Dawson in your face. Why are we doing this? Is this entertaining to anyone? Is this, uh, is this, is this helping Browns fans? We're here to entertain and assist. And I'm not sure we're doing either. Oh, just wait till I tell you what Luke Rose's percentage was <laughs> during his career. All right. 36.2. It's Baker Mayfield number. What's it mean? Yes. Percentage of Baker Mayfield's dropbacks where he's gotten pressure caused at least in part by the right tackle. And that's over week seven through 12. And I went with week seven through 12 because that is the span of games where you had Blake Hant subbing in for Jack Conklin at right tackle. Now Conklin played some snaps in there, but uh, didn't play many this past week before he got hurt. And now that he's out for the rest of the season, it's Hans. It's just Hans. Or not Hans. Stefanski was not very Hans committed this, this <sighs> they, week, right? The, like, they don't have a lot of options. As Petonio said, he's the most experienced guy. Um, ideally, Chris Hubbard would be stepping in here, but you know he's been out. And James Hudson might not, has been inactive the past couple of weeks. Right. And other ways to put it is that whoever you put there is not going to be Jan Conklin, and it's going to be somebody who's not experienced or at least who hasn't been playing with this offensive line all season. So either way, it's not going to be an ideal situation. Um, anyways, over the last six weeks, 36.2% of the pressures Mayfield has been under is from right tackle. And that ranks second in the league over that six week span. Blake Hans, week seven through 12, 20 pressures, which ranks third among tackles, all tackles over that span. Uh, that's not much better than Jedrick Wills, by the way. I believe he is fourth. Yeah. So you have both your tackles uh, who have been a problem of late. 
And that's why you have Baker Mayfield running around trying to figure out where he's going to throw. And I tweeted out that fourth down photo uh, from the Ravens game where he's being bared down on from the outside and three of his receivers are still running up field. And all he had was Njoku going over the middle, well short of the first down. And I mean, there's really not much you can do when, when you're under pressure like that. But um, by the way, break, I said Mayfield ranked second in right tackle pressure over the last six weeks. Case Keenum ranks first. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, and this is one of those, I, I think you could make an argument that the tackle situation is as big of a change from last year that is creating a problem as anything. Because in 2019, in the Freddie Kitchens year, when they were playing Chris Hubbard at right tackle and that collection of nobodies at left tackle, and it was like, they they have to fix this. And then they go out and sign Jack Conklin and draft Jedrick Wills at 10. And last year, it solved. It's like they addressed their greatest need head on. It's like, how could you even evaluate Baker Mayfield when he's got no tackles? And, and both tackles played really well last year. And Jedrick Wills batting an ankle injury all year, as Mary Kay Cabot has said multiple times, just has not been himself. The numbers bear that out. He didn't become a, a, a worse player. He's not healthy, and they don't have any other options. And now that Conklin has been out and is out for the rest of the season, and then your third tackle, Chris Hubbard, who never should be a starter, but is a pretty good swing guy behind him, is out for the year. And you're on options four and five with Hanson Hudson, here you are. And it's not going to get any better. Like, I don't, are they, they going to bring somebody in off the waiver wire? Like there's nothing. This is a problem. JOK can't play right tackle, but that Baker's Baker's comfort in the pocket, I think is paramount to his efficiency and accuracy. And in a world where these numbers show as this offense has cratered in the last month, it has cratered as the tackles have been allowing a ton of pressure on Baker Mayfield. And that is absolutely connected. Oh yeah. I mean, he last season, this offensive line, all the guys on it, I mean, it was Will's first year, but they all had or are almost equaled career years in, yes. in, in one way or another. And, you know, injuries have been an issue this year, but it just, it, it wasn't realistic to think that they were going to repeat that. And Wyatt Teller certainly didn't, he's, he's been a lot better over, over the second half of the season as a run blocker where he was a monster last year. Um, but he didn't start out that way. It was, he had a rough first half of the season and, you know, even Jack Conklin was not playing up to that. Joel Petonio might be the guy who's closest to, to how he performed the consistency wise last year. But other than that, yeah, it hasn't been the case. And then you add in the injuries and, and the fact that your, your biggest issues with keeping people on the field are healthy has been a tackle. And yeah, you have what you have now. I have why I tell our thoughts, but I'll save them for another podcast. Uh, let's do 0.01. That is the average number of points that the Browns have scored per game in the last month. Close, close, close. close. It's, this is a, uh, this is a advanced stat for all you people into EPA. This is expected points added per target for Browns wide receivers. And we got into this a little bit a handful of weeks ago and we talked about the receivers, but, Again, expected points added is is it, it measures uh, how what your success rate is on getting first downs or getting close enough to first downs to, for it to be a successful play. How long you're prolonging drives and getting into the end zone? It's it's all wrapped up in that. So the Browns are at zero point zero one, and while these numbers are all low, 
when you talk about EPA, you're often going to start with a zero. 0.01 is super low. So the Browns, <laughs> they don't pass to their receivers much. We know that. We've talked about it. Uh, it's, it's the way Stefanski's offense is set up and how it works. Um, I'm going to push the, back. I'm going to push back on talked about it. I think shouted about it is, well, is yeah, a better characterization. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the difference between this year and last year, though, is the efficiency just isn't there this year. They got more uh, quality over quantity last year. Not the case this year. Um, so that EPA per target, they ranks 26th for Browns wide receivers. And again, this is just wide receivers, not anybody who's catching a pass, just wide receivers. Um, now they ranked seventh last year. It was 0.39. So that's quite a, a big drop off. DPJ has been efficient really both years. I know he hasn't had his best games uh, the last couple of times he's been on the field, but he has remained pretty efficient. He's second in EPA per target among all Browns who catches pass, who have caught a pass this year, but no other receiver is in the top 10 on that list. So for the Browns last year, wide receivers were their top four spots in EPA per target. And that's what I mean about just not getting the efficiency they did last year. Um, they've had to look elsewhere for that and they don't always get it elsewhere. So you're talking about guys like uh, Jarvis Landry, who obviously has been hurt. Richard Higgins, who, you know, just whatever's going on with him, it remains a mystery. He, even when he's on the field this year, he has not been the same player he was last year. Cordero Hodge, no longer here, you know? So uh, it's Baker's had issues for sure. Um, but this year he's working with a receiver group that really isn't making up for any, anything he's going through. That's for sure. True facts. 67.9. This is another Baker number. This is kind of related to some of the right tackle stuff, mm -hmm. how often he's been under pressure, but when he's not under pressure, 67.9 is his completion percentage from a clean pocket. I can't figure out if that's good or bad, right? I thought maybe you'd throw us one bone of a good number. So 67.9, because you hear, I mean, like good quarterbacks complete like what? 65, 68, 70% of their passes. But right. I guess the assumption is you complete a higher percentage from a clean pocket than when you get pressured, it goes down. So then 67.9 from a clean pocket is not good. Correct. Okay. Um, and I'm actually, I'm trying to bring up the uh, actual total uh, list here for, for C, just to give you an, an example. Um, Kyler Murray from a clean pocket this year, 76.5. Uh, Geno Smith is actually first, completing 83% of his passes from clean pocket, but he, I don't think he's played as many games as everybody else, but Kirk Cousins, 76. Dak Prescott, 76. Aaron Rodgers, 75. Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, 75%. So, uh, those are the guys at the top of the list, um, and that's not Baker Mayfield. He ranks 28th in, com in completion percentage from a uh, clean pocket. His passer rating is also near, uh, near the bottom. He ranks 24th in passer rating from a clean pocket, 95.7. So, again, this is ideal ideal situation where you're not under pressure and you're able to clearly see everything. You're going through your reads. Um, you're not so much worried about, avoiding some guy who's just beat your left tackle, or your right tackle. So it, it, he's only completed 55% over his last three games. Again, Ugh. that three game span has just been bad in a lot of ways. And that ranks 36th out of 37 qualifying quarterbacks. Uh, and I'm looking at guys who've had at least like a hundred dropbacks this season. So, and the um, problem with this is if you're Josh Allen, if you're Kyla Murray or Lamar Jackson, 
or Aaron Rodgers does it, like guys who make more plays out of structure, then if you aren't quite as good in a clean pocket, it's like, okay, well, maybe you're more of a gunslinger, playmaker, whatever. You do your, you do your work out in space on the edge when stuff goes wrong. That is, we know that's not Baker. Mm-hmm. So then if Baker, Baker has to be like in the top 10, 8, 5 in what he does in the clean pocket, or what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Where, where are you good then? Where, like, so you're like, what are you good? Dear God, seriously, turn it off. Just turn it off. You don't, what are you good at? Like, what, if not this, then what? And I guess there's still some stuff here. I still think there's something with torque with the shoulder, or he says it's more the heel than anything else. That's still, even on a clean, clean pocket, clean platform, he's not, himself maybe physically there but then it but then if that's the case consistently it goes back to the stuff of like well then why is he in the game and Andrew Barry I thought Andrew Barry on Wednesday when he had his bi-week news conference he went through like the three things that you factor in about whether to play a, a player who's dealing with a health issue and it's sort of like I mean it's basically like can you make yourself worse can your injury get worse are you able to function with your injury. And then like, can you play at a winning level? And, and he basically said, any player that's out there has checked all those boxes, which I mean, Andrew Barry is, he's not giving you anything, but it almost, it sounded to me like that's permission to hold Baker Mayfield accountable because he's checking the boxes to be out there. And if, and if anything was so bad, he wouldn't be out there. So he's out there and his completion percentage in a clean pocket stinks. So whether it's the shoulder or the heel or whatever, I don't know, man, it's not good enough. Yeah. And I know they always talk about any player and and every player, but it's the quarterback. And I think it's a little different and they won't admit that, but they're going to maybe give a little more slack, I think on what it takes to get that person off the field. I just, that's just the way it seems. And I think yeah. that's the way it probably is with most teams. All right. We'll take our last quick break. One more number left from Scott Patsko. And then mercifully, this podcast will end. We'll do it next on Gotta Watch the Tape. All right, Doug and Scott, you can read cleveland.com slash Browns. You can click on the blue banner there. You can be a Browns insider. You get text. You get the special extra piece of content every day that only the insiders have access to. You get everything. You're not going to miss anything. If you do that and this stretch run here, there's five games left, man, like buy it for yourself for a holiday present. And then you may maybe hate yourself later and think that was worse. I mean, the content we're doing a pretty good job still. Maybe the Browns aren't doing what you thought. The last number is 11. And that number is the number of people still listening to this podcast at this point is 11. Actually, Scott, it's 4.3. And actually, that might be closer, 4.3 people still listening. But what's the real number there? Right. For, well, first, let me, let me ask you a question. What's the most important thing you need to do in order to pull out a close win at the end of a game? Have like, a, a chip- game-winning drive needs to end how? With heart, with heart and, and gumption, with a chip on your shoulder, that would be my answer. That's true. But it also needs to end in the end zone or with oh. the ball going through the uprights. Yes. Right? Also right. that. 4.3, the Browns average points scored in the fourth quarter this year. Uh, it's really difficult to pull out a close game when you can't score in the fourth quarter. And the Browns rank 30th in average points scored in the fourth quarter this season. There are only 32 teams in the league. Uh, 
And they've actually been shut out in the fourth quarter of our last three games. Again, there's that last three game window, which has just been not good. Um, they've scored seven points in the second half total over that span. So yeah, that's how they get where they are with not really having much of an offense and not really being able to pull out all these close games. And again, this is another thing that you compare to last year and you see how much better they were 7.9 points per game in the fourth quarter, which was 10th, you know, and the Browns have the ball a lot in the fourth quarter, 54% of the time, which is sixth most. And they're just not turning that into points. And I know that they've had injuries in the backfield. And last season, we talked all about how Nick Chubb averages 10 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. And you can't really do that if, number one, he's not out there. And number two, Kareem Hunt isn't out there with him, giving them that nice rotation, keeping everybody fresh. That's kind of wrapped up into it. But um, this team has uh, regressed when it comes to winning close games. And that's kind of to be expected. But they were seven and three in one score games last year. They're three and four this year. And you can't repeat that number if you're not scoring in the fourth quarter. I know somebody a couple of weeks ago on Twitter had something about if you ended every game after the third quarter, what teams' records would be. And like the Browns would be like the two seed in the AFC or something. Like it's like, oh, that pesky fourth quarter where you know actually have to go win. Um, it's not, it's not good. Maybe they get tired. Would that be it? Are they just tired? Games are worn long. Out? It's a long season, longer games. Yeah, this is um, there. There, it's hard. Kevin Stefanski doesn't have a real leg to stand on with this offense right now, right? And neither is Baker Mayfield. And I know there's like a back and forth of like, is it the quarterback? Is it the receivers? Is it the play calling? I, you know, I said he should give up play calling. I think you know people have pushed back on that and said, you know, it's not the play calling. It's it's you know, the quarterback's not making throws, the receivers aren't getting open, or maybe the tackles aren't blocking long enough for anything to happen. But there's like no, there's no spin to this, right? I mean, this is terrible and they've got to fix it or they're, they have no hope of resurrecting their season. So this was a horrible podcast for people to listen to. I apologize on behalf of Scott and his numbers. I'm telling you what, I might host a different podcast next year. You can get someone else. The facts, the facts are not as fun when they're awful facts. That's true. true. You want some good news? Tony is going to the Pro Bowl. Miles Garrett's going to be Defensive Player of the Year. There you go. Okay. Merry Christmas. Good news podcast will come next week. They've got to get better. But I, you cannot, Scott, you cannot come out of this bye week and talk all this stuff about self-evaluation and self-scouting and diving in and come back out and do the same thing. So I am fascinated, especially against a team that is seeing you for the second time in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So you have to give the Ravens a different look. So I am will be fascinated to see not people got to get healthier, people have to get better, but people also have to get different. More of the same is not going to cut it. So I'm not saying never run 13 personnel, but you have you have who you have. You're not going to change personnel. But Kevin Stefanski has to change something, Scott, because all these numbers, they're failing in every single way. And to act like, well, my system works. Well, no, this is what I do. That's, Kevin, that's not an answer at this point. You must change your answer. It's like test corrections. My kids get test corrections. They never did that when I was young. If you got a D, you got a D. Now you get a D. My kids don't get Ds. They're smarter than me. They hand the test back and they say, do test corrections. And then you turn it back into the teacher and your grade can go up. If the teacher says here, a lot of things on this test were wrong. 
do test corrections. You can't say to the teacher, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to stay with this and hand it back in and expect a different grade. Kevin, test correction time, my friend. Right? Yeah, and I think they might be forced into doing something different too because Harrison Bryant uh, is hurt. Um, they won't have their 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 three tight ends, uh, or at least they won't have the guys that they've spent all season kind of you know building that scheme around out there as much. And they did they ran they ran thirteen personnel. They were right at their league average twenty one percent or their own average twenty one percent. But what they did more was two tight ends. We might see more of that. Um, but again, you're, you're talking about a, a personnel grouping where your success rate was, was barely 50%. So they, yeah, clearly they need to do something a little different. I don't know if that's going to be a drastic shift. Do you do a drastic shift going into the final five games? I do a shift that gets me more than 4.3 points per fourth quarter. <sighs> I do a true. drastic shift that gets my offense over 17, more than once in two months. So like, I mean, like, but how can it not be? Do you just think it's health? That will get healthy and we'll do the same thing. Is that's, that really an answer? That's the that's full what answer. We're going to find out. That's what we're going to find out because Baker will get, you know, he'll get the week off. If, yeah. if he's still struggling to connect on passes from a clean pocket, then you might have an answer there. Uh, you're going to have Cream Hunt getting a little healthier. Maybe his calf isn't, you know, acting up at late in the game like it did the first uh, first game against the Ravens. And, and maybe you're in more of a, a, a cleaner rotation with Nick Chubb. Um, again, it, a lot of this could come down to health. And I think that's a valid argument with how, how many hits this offense has taken this season. Okay. We'll see. I mean, it really will be all eyes on it, obviously for every reason, but tar- trying to find where are the adjustments, where are the adjustments will be a huge part of this Baltimore game after the bye week Scott, great work as always. I know I make fun of your numbers, but I just make fun of them because I can't come up with them myself. So love when you dive in on this. It makes our listeners smarter. It makes me smarter. And it just makes me angry when I have to get smarter. Read cleveland.com slash Browns. We still have all these podcasts dropping this week. There'll be a round table coming up on Friday with all of us kind of talking about the state of the team right now. And then, uh, you know, have a good weekend and we'll be back next Next week on Gotta Watch the Tape, we might have a new special guest to add to what Scott and I have been doing since Ellis left. So we might have a little film action in there uh, the, to, to add to the numbers next week. For now, for Scott Patsko, I'm Doug Maurice. Thanks for diving in on Gotta Watch the Tape.